the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Thursday, January 20th, 2022. A few things on my mind today. First, I'm not as some into repeating the statement or variant on the statement that Joe Biden's press conference yesterday was an embarrassment or a disaster or any other pejorative. That should be self-evident about anyone who spoke the way he did about serious issues, never mind someone who has the power to do things about them. What is an embarrassment and a disaster is that right-thinking people, people in control and possession of their faculties, people who can see, hear, and think, could ever vote for him and put him in this position in the first place and still defend and support him. What is an embarrassment and a disaster is that we live in a country with fellow citizens, fellow countrymen, at least 33 percent of which think he is doing a good job. Thank you to Scott Johnson at Powerline for pulling this out from Joe Biden's press conference yesterday. Joe Biden was asked yesterday about something that, A, affects almost every American, B, in an area of public policy that Democrats claim to own, C, in an area of public policy that is dictated by a major adjunct of the Democratic Party, and D, an area of public policy that is about the most vulnerable and protective part, uh, protected parts of our society. He was asked about school closings. I'll play the audio in a bit, but here's the question as it was posed. Quote, could school reopenings or closures become a potent midterm issue for Republicans to win back the suburbs? Close quote. Here's the start of Biden's answer taken from the White House transcript. Oh, I think it could be, but I hope to God that there, that look, maybe I'm kidding myself, but as time goes on, the voter who is just trying to figure out, as I said, how to take care of their family, put three squares on the table, stay safe, able to pay their mortgage or their rent, etc., has, is becoming much more informed on the motives of some of the political players and some of the and the political parties. And I think that they are not getting to be susceptible to believing some of the outlandish things that have been said and continue to be said. You know, every every president, not necessarily in the first 12 months, but every president in the first couple of years, Almost every president, excuse me, of the last presidents, at least four of them, have had polling numbers that are 44 percent favorable. So it's the idea that, but you all, not you all, but now it is, well, Biden is at one poll showed him 33 percent. The average is 44, 45 percent. One poll had him at 49 percent. I mean, the idea that the American public are trying to sift their way through what's real and what's fake, and I don't think, as I've never seen a time when the political coverage, the choice of what political coverage a voter looks to has as much impact on what they believe, they go to get reinforced in their views, whether it's MSNBC or whether it's Fox or whatever. It's enough of that for now. The answer continues in that same vein, as Gabby Johnson might have put it when it came to protecting Rockridge. You remember Gabby jo- Johnson's speech, don't you, Bill? Do you have Gabby Johnson handy? Here you pass. Can they say the winner? 
Yeah. Recall then in the movie, Blazing Saddles, what Olson Johnson said after that. He said, now who can argue with that? I think we're all indebted to Gabby Johnson for clearly stating what needed to be said. I'm particularly glad that these lovely children were here today to hear that speech. Not only was it authentic frontier gibberish, it expressed a courage little seen in this day and age. That's where we're at, folks. Honest to God, Blazing Saddles is maybe more articulate than what happened yesterday. The thing is, that movie was a comedy, a burlesque. And I fear so too is our White House's leadership, starting at the top, a burlesque. And we're all supposed to just accept this as okay, just as we're all supposed to just accept that when Joe Biden exploited race issues and gave wrong, literally wrong and false history lessons to black audiences, that that was okay. Recall for just a moment his lesson on Thomas Edison and the light bulb. I could give you several others. But to this day, to this day, the hit on Ronald Reagan was, we, was that he made up stories. He spoke in generalizations. And the hit on Donald Trump is he spoke, to rough, spoke too roughly and didn't tell the truth. What was the first mendacity the Washington Post trumpets as the beginning of Donald Trump's presidency? It was the size of his inaugural the audience size. Okay, did he lie about American history? Did he lie about America and allied life and survival in a war zone? Did he feed the enemy Democrats told us for years Republicans were too soft on Russia, a rope and road to invade an ally of ours? And did he ever answer a question about a serious or small issue, leaving anyone with dissatisfaction as to actually where he actually stood on the issue? Did he try to ban speech? Or opponent's ability to speak while decrying tyranny or fascism at the same time? Did he pick winners and losers based on race all the while decrying the racism of the other party? And when he was accused of the worst things, was it actually something he said, Trump? Or something edited and bowdlerized to make it seem like he said it? White supremacists were good people, for example. Or people might think about drinking bleach to cure COVID. Joe Biden said Donald Trump said that. There's not a single transcript of a press conference on COVID where Donald Trump even used the word bleach. Donald Trump was the fascist, though, and Joe Biden is our moderate answer. Ronald Reagan was the empty vessel, and both of them, Trump and Reagan, were extremists. And somewhere between 33 and 45 percent of the country thinks this is all okay. And worse, somewhere between 45 percent and 60 percent of the Democratic Party thinks it's okay to fine and imprison people who cite to doctors and scientists who disagree with Rochelle Walensky, which is a rather tall order because that would have to include Joe Biden and Rochelle Walensky, who have contradicted themselves any number of times on the very things the Democrats want to arrest people for when it comes to things like masks and vaccines. A week ago, Joe Biden said to social and broadcast media companies this. How many of you know this? He said this, quote, I make a special appeal to social media companies and media outlets. Please deal with disinformation and misinformation that's on your shows, close quote. What could that possibly mean? It means little more than what the prime minister of New Zealand said at the end of last year, that, that the government will be your single source of truth. 
You've heard Dennis say that a lot. Not news, truth. I'm not an expert on New Zealand's government. I don't know much about it, but I think I know a little bit about the First Amendment and its history here and the history of every newspaper that was ever sued. They wrapped themselves in the notion that the government should have absolutely zero purchase on telling news outlets what to say and what the truth is. And the case they cite all the, si- all the, si- all the same, all the time, every time, is the case authored by William Brennan, one of the liberal most members of the Supreme Court's history, who put it this way in that decision they each and every time cite to to defend themselves, the press. Quote, it is a prized American privilege to speak one's mind, although not always with perfect good taste, on all, per- on all public institutions, and this opportunity is to be afforded for vigorous advocacy, no less than abstract discussion. The First Amendment, said Judge Learned Hand, presupposes the right conclusions are more likely to be gathered out of a multitude of tongues rather than through any kind of authoritative selection. To many, this isn't always will be folly. But we have staked upon it our all, close quote. But, you know, those of us who still hew to that are the extremists in this world. And those who believe the government should have a monopoly on the truth, well, they're supposed to be the fighters of fascism. I show you the times. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. Anything you want to talk about, that's what we're here for. Uh, Bill, welcome back. Thanks uh, for everything. You had a good day off, I trust. Everything is as per it should be. Any good movies or entertainment you need to tell us about? The dogs are doing great. Everything's good. Nothing. All good. Okay, you're a man of few words. You're like Cal- You're like Silent Cal. <laughs> and you're like you're like Calvin Coolidge and Bob Dole combined. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when somebody bet Silent Cal that he wouldn't would say more than two words? Well, I don't remember, but well, I know there. the story that everyone plus their uncle tells as the only story they know about Calvin Coolidge where his response was you lose. Were you trying to give me that fresh insight? That's the one. Ah, uh, got it. <laughs> I'm giving you a hard time. Now things are back to usual. <laughs> now, okay. Uh, before I play Gabby Johnson, uh, go ahead if you want. Before I play Gabby Johnson uh, audio, there was another thing that I needed to uh, just insert here for discussion purposes. You'll recall last uh, week, maybe you won't. It's okay if you don't. You'll recall last week I uh, perhaps that I was um, – I was I was given to quoting Whitaker Chambers in his book Witness uh, as to how it was he was asked how it was so many Democrats, um, so many liberals in his day were so uh, so 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 animated against him and his cause to unveil communism in America and how many how 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 it was that so many liberals were so quiet in their own denunciation of communism. And he said it was not treason, 
Men who sincerely abhorred the word communism in the pursuit of common ends found that they were unable to distinguish communists from themselves. For men who could not see that what they firmly believed was liberalism added up to socialism, and they could scarcely be expected to then see that it added up to communism. Any charge of communism enraged them precisely because they could not grasp the difference between themselves and those against whom it was made. So it may be one thing to charge Marxism or communism against a statement uh, when it's uh, uttered or issued by a Democrat, but the reason they don't see it is because of the accuracy of the charge. This is flying around Twitter right now, and it was an ad, believe it or not, an advertisement on MSNBC by one of their hosts, Melissa Harris Perry. I just want you to listen to this for half a moment, please. This is their Lean Forward campaign at MSNBC. Remember their Lean Forward campaign? This is their Lean Forward campaign. This is Melissa Harris Perry in a cutout that they're proud of. This is not... This is not a, a, a quote from some kind of interview or exchange. This is her speaking deliberately for the purposes of an advertisement to show off who they are and what they think. Listen to this. Never invested as much in public education as we should have because we've always had kind of a private notion of children. Your kid is yours and totally your responsibility. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children. So part of it is we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families. You have to break through this idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families. Do you know how much of this is out there? Oh, MSNBC, you can say, well, that's MSNBC. Is that is that okay? Is that okay? A major news network, Microsoft and NBC. I guess it's just NBC now. It was at Microsoft at one point. Is that okay? The former chairman of the Democratic National Committee, who was the former governor of Virginia, who ran against, again a second time to be governor of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, said the same thing. There is an op-ed at Politico. An op-ed at Politico titled The Dangerous Legal Illusion of Parents' Rights. It's written by not three lawyers. It's written by three physicians. Talk about the abuse of science and medicine. It's written by physicians. The Dangerous Legal Illusion of Parental Rights. When it com- I'll quote directly, when it comes to society's interest in protecting children, the legal precedent is unambiguous. The rights of their parents come second. And not over and against and first and primary to the children, but to the state. And now you know why when we charge Marxism and communism, it falls either on cold ears or is dismissed because they can no longer distinguish. They can no longer distinguish. Everything old is new again, which is why we have to go back, really, in so many respects to first axioms. Occasionally people say we need new axioms. We don't. We need to relearn the original axioms. First task of the educated is to re 
state the obvious. But simply restating it won't quite do, not in every case. It did it in Virginia because there seems to be a common sense there. But think about what has to be going on in the heads and minds of a major news organization like MSNBC to say this is what we want to showcase. This is what we want to strut about. This is what we're proud of. Five years ago and ten years ago, if that ad were cut, if that ad were made, probably about ten levels before it got to the CEO would have said no. Not here. (laughs) No, no. No, no. We are not going to be in the business of telling people, quote, we have to break through this idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families. Nothing could scream more Maoism. Nothing could scream more Castroism. Nothing could scream more Stalinism and Brezhnevism and Pol Potism than that. Nothing. Nothing. And here it's become operative, coin of the realm, common. We just accept it and live with it and move on. Just as I suppose we're going to, uh, just as I suppose we're going to accept and live with and move on from the fact that 60% of Democrats favor legislation that would confine unvaccinated people in their homes and that almost 50 percent, 48 percent of Democrats think the government should imprison individuals who publicly question the efficacy of existing COVID-19 vaccines. We're just supposed to accept this. We're always talking about a new normal. Is this the new normal? Well, the first problem with that is it ain't new and it ain't normal. In fact, we thought we defeated it. John F. Kennedy called it a long twilight struggle. And in all that jumping for joy, 1989 and 1990, in all that jumping for joy about having defeated communism in so many places abroad, the thing we refused to do was defeat the idea here at home. Squeezed one end of the balloon, but we blew up the other at the same time. I'm Seth, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Yesterday, Joe Biden said, if anything, he outperformed expectations. Check out our website, 960thepatriot.com. We have a poll up there. Grade the first year of the Biden administration. It won't take you but 30 seconds. It'll be valuable to have you go there and uh, and answer that poll. And you give a grade to the first year of the Biden administration. We'll make sure that the White House gets it. He, um, he, thinks, uh, he thinks he outperformed. And I guess part of me is torn. I mean, I'm torn in the sense that do I want him doing better or doing worse? It raises the Aristotelian question, the question raised by Aristotle, what is the bad man in a good regime and what is the good man in the bad regime? I don't don't really want Joe Biden to get what he wants. But did he outperform expectations? Again, 960thepatriot.com. 
has that pull up. Rick in Phoenix. Hello, sir. Hello there, my friend Seth. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, and you as well. Thank you very much. Has anyone ever told you that you are the goat? Uh, no, but I've been trying to get a goat. Actually, a goat or two. I think <laughs> you... they're cute, and I think they're fun. Yeah. And, and 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 if I can just convince certain powers that be that they would, uh, the goats would play lovely, love lovingly with Dagny. Uh, and not eat everything in sight. <laughs> well, the reason I'm asking is because there was a commercial that ran during the break. Yeah. And it's a PSA. I've been called other animals' names. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, me too. I have to the remind club. them I'm not a Democrat when they call me those names. <laughs> well, according to this commercial, uh, it's for adoption, I think. It's about adoption. Oh, okay. And, uh, goat is an acronym that stands for greatest of all time. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, Right, right. Created by uh, Muhammad Ali, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I think. I think so. I think so. (laughs) Anyway, hey, a couple of things I'm calling about. By the way, that's an awfully nice thing to say, but thank you. Yes, you are most welcome and most deserving, no, by the way. I, I don't know about that. Yeah. But thank you. Okay, hey, go on. It was good to hear from Rob the other day, and uh-huh. I'm glad that his surgery, uh, the colon surgery, went well. And if he's listening... <laughs> if you thought the chances that I thought would be high that we were going to hear about so-and-so's colon, <laughs> Rob's colon, a second time on this show, you yeah. would have thought wrong, but here I am being wrong. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay. Well, you know... Hey, and, and Rob, if you're listening, I seriously just want you to know that uh, you are in my prayers. I'm praying that the Lord will uh, uh, give you healing, uh, speedy recovery, and a complete recovery. You got Hope it. Hope everything goes well. You got it. So it's good to you. Okay, I got two things, uh, Seth. Uh, you want the uh, serious or the less than serious? Uh, whatever you want. <laughs> okay, let's we'll, go we'll with find the... a way to make the serious unserious, I'm sure, and we'll find a way to make the unserious serious. We, we're good at that. Yeah. Touche. Well, we'll go with the less serious okay. first. Are you still asking people about their favorite songs Always. of all time? Always. Okay. Well, here I want to give you my take on mine. Okay. For me, it kind of has to do with the mood that I'm in. Uh-huh. For example, if I'm in a rock and roll mood, my favorite song is uh by uh, Steppenwolf, uh, Magic Carpet Ride. Okay. If I'm in a more mellow mood, my favorite song is Blue Guitar by Moody Blues. Okay. And if I'm in kind of a goofy mood, which unfortunately is way too much of the time, uh, my favorite song is Don't Go Out Into the Rain, You're Gonna Melt, Sugar, mm-hmm. by the Herman's Hermans. Uh-huh. Well, those are all great bands. Uh, (laughs) I think, yeah, I've seen one of them in concert, the last one. Yeah, Herman Sermons. But Rick, isn't this surfing awfully close to the shore of situational ethics? (laughs) It it depends what kind of mood I'm in. Uh, It can't really be great. I can't be the goat if you're in a different mood on a different day. It can't be the greatest song if it depends on your subjective mood. Oh, good point. Good point. I, I think we have to work around that situational yeah. ethics. Yeah, got it. You had another thing you said. Yes, yes. Uh, real quickly, yeah. your your uh, uh, show on Monday, yeah. Martin Luther oh, King, yeah. was fantastic. Thank you. 
And I came across a quote that is kind of one of his lesser well-known ones. Okay. Uh, it says, in the process of gaining our rightful place, we must not be guilty of wrongful deeds. Ooh. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. We must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. I, I love that. I love that. That's from his famous speech, right, that never gets quoted. People just do the content of our character uh, part, right? Yeah. But that's yeah. from that. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, that it's, is He beautiful. was not a man of situational Powerful. ethics. And it, it really tells you, uh, you know, why he was so I got, I got to hit the break. God bless you. We'll be right back. Coming to you uh, straight from the Guns at Cetra Studios. This is the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. And there is our anatomically mentioned Rob from Surprise. I, uh, how are you, sir? How's the recuperation going, buddy? I'm fine. I, I heard Rick. and Thank you, Rick, for your uh, prayers and concerns. I'm fine, and all systems are go, uh, if you catch my drift, and I think you do. Um <laughs> Things are back in kind of normal. They we got it the first time. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go yeah. ahead. Let's okay. let's but just again, elide over all that. Now that we know you're good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was. Uh, that's that's probably all. Everything. Yeah. That's all know. we need. Um, that's all you need. Yeah. I um when when you were talking about this whole parent uh, not being responsible for kids thing, I was thinking about that Clinton lady who wrote some book called It Takes a Village. Do you yeah. remember that? I do. Yeah. Uh, there's two parts to it, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just sort of a, uh, I don't know that it's, the book itself absolves parental rights completely. And part of me thinks that, in a way, a community does have an impact on how kids are raised, depending on the community, depending on the people who are in that community, depending on neighbors and kids and teachers and you know, crossing guards and all that kind of stuff. They all, you know, have a legitimate role to play. But I also think that uh, this, you know, MSNBC lady has just, you know, gone off the deep end, which is just unbelievable. Um, but not unexpected, sadly. Um, the second thing, I, you know, I, I think I brought this up before about the, you know, David Halberstam's The Best and the Brightest, and that was all about the Vietnam era best and brightest Harvard Yale grads who got everything wrong, who did everything wrong, who screwed everything up. And and I think that's been going on for such a long time. And they do have their rotating uh, doors in and out of, you know, either Wall Street or some big, big financial firm and then into Washington and get the uh, presidential appointments that they covet, apparently. But I just wonder, and this is maybe a good example of why uh, – Getting a college degree or a special college degree uh, may not be quite as advantageous for, well, common sense, good judgment, uh, principle, character, and all that, uh, as it is where these people come in to almost expect to be, and maybe it's kind of how they're raised at Harvard and Yale, that they're special and they're, uh, there is a need for them to be, you know, to use their special powers and skills but they still screw things up and they still get things wrong. And our current regime is probably just another example of that. I kind of, I wanted to ask, do you know uh, how long this has been going on? I was thinking maybe it was Roosevelt, but maybe it was 
Yeah, the Roosevelt Brain Trust is where is where the mind naturally goes. You're right to put it there, but let me let me tie a couple the, your two things together. Um, they're related. You probably intended this, but if you didn't, I'm going to try and make it. Um, uh, I'm going to try and relate the two things. Uh, first of all, you said a good word there. Um, uh, s- special. You used the word special, and I and I think that, by the way, is the problem in higher education. It's become highly specialized. Uh, which is to say it's become highly specific and ever more narrow by the year. People used to be broadly educated. You think of what a great general liberal arts education was once upon a time, and that's basically not what you get anymore. You get highly specialized people that know an awful lot about a very narrow thing at the expense of knowing about the effects of what they know about. Uh, I want you to Think of this as uh, think of the poster boy of someone like Anthony Fauci. You know, I'm not I'm not going to be able to outsmart him on anything in his in his field. I'm just not. He's a he's a very well trained, well credentialed in one very narrow thing, and yet because of that specialization, he has you know uh, he has become uh, 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 blinded and deaf to everything he is trying to maneuver with regard to his specialization that he has no clue or concept about or concern about perhaps even so it it when i think about you know the use of college education as it is today i don't think there is much use for it i'd like to go back to when people were more broadly educated think about your best professors rob you're you're a tad older than me but think about your best professors they were from the same generation and they understood when they spoke about something having to do with X, the effects it would have on A, B, C, Y, and Z, because they knew something about A, B, C, Y, and Z as well. That's how they were taught. That's how they were trained. Let me relate it to It Takes a Village, if I might. Um, There were two books Hillary Clinton wrote. The first one, It Takes a Village, and, and people tended to forget the subtitle. They, they tend to forget the – there was a subtitle to it. And other lessons children teach us. Now think about everything that's implied by that and everything we deal with in our society. I can't think of a single thing a child can teach us. And yet we have foisted upon our children so much more maturity than they should have if we believe that childhood is a worthwhile thing. That was one of the that was the first book she wrote. Then, based on its success, she did the easy quick money thing after that. I, and I don't mean to cast aspersions. I don't know if she profited on any of this. My guess is she probably did donate the money. I don't care. But she did the quick, easy, natural thing that comes along after a big bestseller like that. She wrote a children's book. It takes a village. And it says kids don't come with instructions. But neither do grown-ups, exclamation point. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. We do have instructions. We do have rules. We do have, what was the word I used earlier, axioms. We do, uh, we, we do expect each other as adults to operate under a certain sense and similarity of not just concerns but teachings, philosophies, differentials between right and wrong what is this nonsense kids don't come with instructions but neither do grown-ups what is nonsense about that 
The nonsense about that gives you the world that we live in today, where truth is individual. Fact is less important than the psychoanalysis of how that fact affects you and makes you feel emotionally. That's the problem with that whole world that we've come to laugh about. So I'm for higher education if it's broad. Um, and I don't know of many colleges that do it. Hillsdale's the first that comes to mind. That's my rant on yours. What do you think? No, I, I, I'm with you on all of that stuff. And, and again, because I went to the Naval Academy, a lot of it was the uh, very technical engineering science um, and those kinds of things for people who want to go into medicine or engineering or the technical field, science, um, college still has a valuable place for them. But if people are just going to be going to college to, you know, blow a hundred thousand plus dollars uh, and major in, you know, feminist studies or something, uh, that's a total waste. Teddy Roosevelt's statue was taken out of the uh, National Museum today uh, because it no longer comports with the ethos of the day, and that's a terrible thing. But in all our losing, let's not lose one important thing he said. There's a lot of important things he said. Your discussion with me reminds me of to educate a man in the mind and not the morals is to educate a menace to society. You had enough menaces to society in our lives? I have. Thank you, Rob, and Godspeed, and uh, great to hear on the good health. You watch or listen to Joe Biden's press conference yesterday and the immediate cleanup that needed to happen, first with Jen Psaki posting on the White House website a clarification on his uh, Russia-Ukraine statements before they even put up the full transcript of the press conference and then doing cleanup all day on all aisles, on all media, uh, with all spokespersons they could find, including mostly Jen Psaki, but also Kamala Harris and others. And it dawned on me, it dawned on me, um, do you remember all the books about Donald Trump's mental fitness, psychologically unsound, the mind of Donald J. Trump, the strange case of Donald J. Trump, a psychological investigation, Trump's mental health, 37 psychiatrists and mental health experts assess a president, never mind the documentaries. What about all that talk of the 25th Amendment? On Donald Trump. Anyone remember that? Put in 25th Amendment Donald Trump, you get over 8 million hits, even in as early as 2017. The New York Times, the 25th Amendment solution for removing Trump. This is in his first year of office. Uh, the 25th Amendment explained how a president can be declared unfit to serve. Um, could the 25th Amendment be Trump's downfall? Time magazine. 25th Amendment, Andrew McCabe says officials in the White House are discussing it in the USA Today. Andrew McCabe was the number two at the FBI. Wow. That was all just free range when it was Donald Trump. Who didn't leave people scratching their heads as to what he meant any time he spoke. Ever. There was never a lack of clarity. There may have been a lack of compassion in what he said. There may have been a lack of appreciation for what he said. There may have been a lack of agreement with what he said, to put it no stronger. But clarity? 
mental fitness, the very thing, the 25th Amendment? Who's going to be the first psychologist at Yale or psychiatrist at Yale to write uh, the book about uh, Joe Biden? Will anyone? You know what they'll do. It They'll have policies at these schools that uh, they're not allowed to to violate what was known as the Goldwater Rule because when they did it to Goldwater, he won a libel suit against that magazine, Fact Magazine, I think it was. And the rule in the Psychological Association thereon was you can't diagnose officials who you haven't examined clinically. And all that went out the when they talk about the rules that Donald Trump, the norms Donald Trump broke, far fewer than every other professional organization, including the media and medicine when it came to Donald Trump. Far fewer. Far fewer. This is how we live now. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.